Hello and welcome to season four, episode two of the Black Women Working Podcast. How is everyone today? Please introduce yourselves. Shan. Hi, Chantel here. Yep, it's me. I'm here. Still Shan. Still here. <laughs> Rachel. Oh my gosh. Hi, it's Rachel. I'm back again. <laughs> Tolu, it's Tolu. You don't have to introduce me before I introduce myself. It's Tolu, aka Tolls. <laughs> oh, it must be because it's Monday today. The energy is just not where we need it to be. But um, yeah, thank you so much for joining us again. As always, please get involved by using the BWW Podcast UK hashtag or adding us on Twitter or Instagram at BWW Podcast UK. I finally, finally got that right. Um, today we have a very very special guest who I'm actually really excited to speak to her name is Cheryl Cooper can we just all welcome Cheryl please hello hi mom. hey thank you for joining us yeah thank, thank you, you so for much having for me today no um it's actually I'm really excited as a fellow lawyer to have you um on the podcast it just background for the listeners Cheryl is a legal director at one of the biggest accountancy advisory firms in this country and you've been with your firm for about 20 plus years is that correct that's correct yes yeah. for my sins <laughs> your sins um, she's also a professional mentor and committee member of the Amos Bursary which is an organization which ensures talented men of African and Caribbean descent have the opportunity to excel in education and beyond so she's got receipts guys and i know it's not work related but mama cheryl also has run been part of a black girl book club black woman book club because let me put some respect on it for how long mom for over 20 years actually so um (laughs) so i did (laughs) yes i did start a book club so definitely Oh, lovely. Um, my kid is you. Natalie, it's you. Mm. Yes. It's me in the future. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yes. So, today's episode is called 20 Years In. Um, we no, really it's to have not. This... What it's is it not. called? Is it not? It's called Put Some Respect on It. Oh, That's okay. It's called. it's called 20 Years In. Dash, <laughs> put some respect on it. Okay. <laughs> anyway, we really wanted to have a discussion because I think. It's just good for us as black women, I would say in the beginning or kind of mid stages of our careers to kind of look and speak to and engage with black women who have been doing this for a lot longer than we have. And um, it's also really good to speak to black women who've excelled into positions of leadership in very tough professional um, environments. And I know, Shan, you and Tolls really, really pushed like for us to discuss this. Like, why did you feel we kind of needed to touch on this especially for this season um for me personally i i felt like um obviously with our content we try to reach um as broad a demographic as possible um but i do actually find it quite difficult sometimes to engage with the demographic that um you belong to cheryl Mm -hmm. and i think it's really essential that we hear your voices and 
um, allow you to kind of um, walk us through some of your experiences in the workplace because obviously by understanding and knowing what the people before us have gone through we can then appreciate the doors that you have opened and try to make sure that we are opening doors for the people behind us and I just mm. think there's so much that we can learn um, especially in terms of the things that you've been through compared to what we've been through you know we might think oh my gosh we've been through so much but have we really because you yeah. and the people um, and your peers have been through so much more than we have and you're still here you're still standing so there's lessons that we can learn from that oh absolutely um i definitely would say there are not enough of us um in what i do or uh but but they're enough for you guys uh to follow on from um i think the, my motivation has always been one you've got to love what you do um, I think you, if, if you don't love your job, you can't really give of your best. Uh, but I love my job. I love the people that I work with. Um, and I, my job, the, what I do is I never know what's going to be on my desk. Um, I, I never know what problem I have to solve. And that's the main motivation for me because I enjoy working through things. So um, it, I could turn up one day, have a problem. I don't know the answer challenge myself, work through it, but it's also helping people. And I also really love working with other professionals so that um, mm. we bounce things off of them. So not as a lawyer, I'm bringing something different to the party. Um, I'm using their expertise, but I'm looking for something else. I'm looking for negligence. I'm looking for whatever um, we may have done wrong. Or on the other hand, I'm advising on advi uh, you know, deals or, or whatever. So it is different every day. And perhaps that's why I've done it for so long. Hmm. Oh, that sounds really interesting. So, um, are you able? I know I've told everyone about your career and your role, but are you like a brief kind of overview about how you got started and what your kind of career timeline, or, or let's call it now a career arc, like what that, that <laughs> looks like? <laughs> okay, so I grew. I was born and grew up in Guyana, in South America. So, although it's on the South American continent, it has a very Caribbean culture. So, it's we're next door. Just to just to situate it for geography, we're next door to Brazil, Venezuela, Suriname, and the Atlantic. So it's Dutch, it's Portuguese, Spanish, and the Atlantic. Um, so I was born there and I grew up there, and we had a very formal British education. Um, so so that there wasn't any question in my mind um, about. Um, education or wanting to be educated it was what, what exactly are you going to do with your life mm -hmm. um, I did start off uh, on an English degree I loved it um, but you know I knew that I wouldn't be the best teacher in the world I thought that's where it was going to lead me but I actually wanted to be a journalist and I did get into journalism school in, in Howard University but then they didn't give me the visa to go there and again so there you oh, go um, so, so so you got if, into if, Howard University <laughs> so I did um, I, I did <laughs> get into to Howard but you know if you if you are born in a so-called third world country the trajectory of your life can change mm, not because yes. of what you want to do it could change for politics it could change for anything so if an american embassy is in that country and decided to give out visas you'll get one if they decided not you wouldn't so so yeah. there you go so i went on to at the university of guyana started an english degree then changed to law and um, and then I was going to go on to University of the West Indies, uh, but got married and came here instead. And 
practically started over because you're waiting for documents that never did arrive. And I actually worked and studied. So I worked as a legal secretary, went to school part time, got a baby in the middle of my degree, carried on, (laughs) carried on uh, (laughs) studying, um, working and studying, then went to law school, came back into the same firm in in the city that I had worked for. Um, and and uh, interviewed and got a training contract. And I think the key mm-hmm. to that is um, I was working as a legal secretary and I mm-hmm. asked the training partner one day, how do you get a training contract? And he said, for whom? Uh, and, and I said, for me. And he was like, you? Well, silly old me. Yes, me. So, um, you know, I, I gave it to him. He, he in, I was interviewed and um, yeah. did my training contract there. Spent a year in aviation law. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then... Um, moved in-house to an accountancy firm. Can we just take a pause there? Because I feel like there's some things we need to acknowledge. First of all, you got into Howard. (laughs) Absolutely amazing. Sorry, like, I'm just like, wow, that's not easy. And then, (laughs) so you had a law degree, but then you came to the UK and then you effectively studied again. Is that what well, happened? I didn't. I didn't. Mm. So uh, no, I did. So what happens um, in 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 Guyana is that you do your your first year there, and then you move on to University of the West Indies to complete it. Oh. So I didn't move on to University of the West Indies. I came uh, to England, um, and so so I had the first part, but was waiting on okay. documentation to sort of get yeah. get if you like exemptions. But mm-hmm. that didn't come true. I literally started over and went to. Uh, went to school or, or college on, on the weekends and worked during um, the week. Um, so that's, that's how phenomenal. I did it. But uh, yeah, it, it's not it's not recommended, but <laughs> it doesn't mean it can't be done. <laughs> so yeah, so, so that's that, that was sort of my route. Um, the, the, the horror thing is that I really, really wanted to do uh, journalism. I wanted to be like the next Christian Amanpour, um, but, but that didn't happen. But you know, you've got you've got to to uh, flow and, and go mm, with the wind. Adapt. So, yeah. so yes, absolutely adapt. Definitely. Yeah. So, um, so then you you worked in aviation law, which is to be fair, not the most straightforward area of law. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. I, I did it for a year. I did it for a year. But yeah. we act for we acted for insurers. Um, so we would act um, for insurers of different parts of the aircraft. Mm-hmm. But I learned a lot because we dealt with a lot of tragedy because when you when it's mostly when the aircraft crashed or whatever, then then, you know, the insurers yeah. and paying out to people who's, you know, survivors or paying for deaths and all that. So, mm. yeah, it, it was a very niche area of the law and also very male dominated at the time. So I really had to move out if I was going to to do something else mm. that I feel was was worthy for me. Yeah. So then you decided to kind of move in-house. What were the main yes. motivations behind that decision? And... Well, uh, I was looking to, to uh, come out of the city. Uh, by this time, I had, I had Yancy, my daughter. She was uh, young, um, uh, very young at the time. And I, the city had very long hours as well. Sometimes you can be working mm. for, you know, in, way into the night. Um, and then the opportunity came up at this accountancy firm. And I thought, well, why not? I interviewed. At the time, uh, people weren't moving into, um, moving in-house a lot. But but I went and uh, got through the interview, was offered a role and thought, why not? Um, and we were based like at Houston and, and I lived uh, just further down the Northern Lines in terms of, of travel and everything. It, it suited me, um, suited my lifestyle at the time. So, so I thought, why not? Went for it. And you've been there for like 20 20- 
plus years. Yeah, 20 plus years. Um, wow. <laughs> and, and, and it's interesting. Like, wow. I ask myself why. Mm. Huh? That was what I was going to ask you. I was going to be like, why? What? What's the reasoning? Why? Yes. Because um, most people leave. I'm ready to leave after two years. Yeah, but we're millennials. Yeah. And, and, and I know. <laughs> and I yes. And I wouldn't necessarily advise anybody, any any young person, to stay now because the reasons for staying are are, are different now. You know, mm. there are no pensions. The the things that sort of made people stay. You know, being in a in a, a decent pension scheme and all that. They're just not there anymore. And, and also, it's not expected. Uh, it, it, yeah, I got to say in my time. Uh, but at that time, I should say, where, um, you know, if you were moving every two years, it was sort of looked down upon, um, you know, mm-hmm. why mm-hmm. you can't be stable. But now it's expected. So the expectations are very different and the experiences are very different. So so um, in order to get the experience that, that you need to get nowadays, you really need to move around. And also for, for things like salary rises and mm-hmm. all of that, people move and then they may go back to the same firm, but in a higher position. So I wouldn't recommend now to stay um, uh, anywhere that length of time, but I, but I, you know, I did and still do enjoy working with the people and and, and like the firm that I work for. And if that's a motivation, motivating factor, then, you know, if it works for you, why not? Yeah, that's excellent. I I love the fact that mm. it's been twenty years and you you still like the people that you work with. <laughs> well, but also, you I'm know, doing different things. It, it it that I think that's the important thing. I I'm yeah. also doing different things that 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 I like and and things that actually not only affect my department. So I'm going for whole firm strategic things, mm-hmm. um, and that's important to me. So um, so yes. Yeah, so now I, I'm a member of the ethics board. Um, I I'm the ethnicity convener, and those things uh, for me have real impact mm. for the whole firm even if you know it, it, ethics is a key part to any professional um, firm mm. and 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 also the whole dni agenda it's um it, it's mm. it's key to every business now so um and i enjoy doing that but i also it's key to have outside activities as well mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. for me that's really important a mm-hmm. strong family um support mm-hmm. and support of friends and also doing something outside of work i think that's really important i think you've mentioned something there that i just want to highlight actually to our listeners because as you said sometimes our instinct is to automatically look outside when we're not being satisfied in our current roles but Mm -hmm. sometimes we need to look within to other areas of the business that we Mm -hmm. might be able to go into and get some more skills sometimes we're you know fighting with ourselves to try and find another role outside when there's opportunities right inside our faces so I would like to encourage anyone in that position see if there's somewhere within the company that you're currently working in that you you can go into in order to expand your skill set before you leave that place I think one of the questions I wanted to ask was just what was your kind of main motivation to stay in progress in your organization which is kind of we kind of covered it a little bit with maybe possibly other incentives that were available previously but aren't really available when you stay for organization for so long but what do you think has been one of the main reasons that you you have stayed in in your organization that you're in and decided to kind of push yourself up the ladder rather than to kind of turn left, look right, or, or you know, jump ship. Yeah. So I think the first thing is do good work. So let your work go before you, uh, because people might not always mm-hmm. like you, but they must always, mm-hmm. they should always be say, 
but she's good at what she does. Mm. Um, so, mm -hmm. so I think your work goes before you and, and then building relationships with people advocating on your behalf and building the relationship building the, and, and, and if you do good work, you gain the respect and then you become trusted um, in a way so that, so that when it comes to having conversations about doing other things, people feel that you have the ability or the capability to do it. And I think that's, that's really important. So I was asked um, by a senior partner to come onto the ethnicity board now, um, uh, uh, be a convener. Now I know that I'm black um, and that might be a reason that he asked me, but he could have asked any other black person in the firm if he so chose. Mm. So, um, so, but, but he asked me and I, and initially I was like, well, why are you asking me? Am I going to be a token? Blah, blah, blah. And I thought, well, okay, let me take it on and see what I can do with, with that role. And if it could be beneficial to anybody else. So even though I was scared, um, you, you just have to step out there sometimes and put your head above the parapet, um, so that other people can follow and benefit because if nobody puts their head above the parapet, if Rosa Parks didn't sit in the front of the bus, if a you know, lots of people didn't step out and do what they did, we can't or couldn't stand on their shoulders. So, so it's really important sometimes to take on something that's challenging. It might be scary. It might be whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, you probably can carve a niche for yourself but more importantly you can leave a legacy and le legacy is really important um and th that that's that's mm, what i think anyway that is amazing so i kind of think one thing I, I wanted to ask though but you feel free to share as much as you want or you don't want but what has your sure. experience been like as a black woman in kind of a corporate firm because I speak very openly about some of the experiences I've had working in a very white um, and male yeah. dominated spaces but I've only been there for like maybe I would say three to five years compared to someone like you who's been there for a much more substantial period so, so are you able to yeah. share what some of your experience have been like? Yes. So my experience generally has been good, but not without its challenges. And I, I no, no person of color, I think, uh, sit and honestly say that, that they haven't had um, challenges uh, within their organizations. Um, I, I think what I ha have learned to do is say yes, perhaps more than I say no, because sometimes the no might be coming from a place like I just don't want to get involved or I just don't want to do this or I just don't yeah. don't want to do that. But but it, it is challenging. Uh, just the fact that every day you feel like you've got a, um, a hurdle to climb. It's exhausting. And I think what I have learned um, now is to is to not put myself in the place of of just utter exhaustion and, and just trying to be a little more strategic. Um, mm. And it, it, it takes time. So it's, it might not happen in a year or, 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 or two, which is the time that you guys might stay in a job. But <laughs> because I think there's a different expectation that, um, you know, people, young people coming into jobs now expect that certain things, and I think rightly so, um, should already be done, especially in relation to how you treat people at work, how people of color treated in the workplace um, but I think th those challenges can help you to build um, the resilience that you need but as I said I don't think anybody should exhaust themselves trying to do that or get themselves ill trying to do that all of which are things that can happen uh, mm -hmm. to people um, all the microaggressions 
the things being said or people commenting on your hair or the fact that you're dressed a certain way, whatever it is, it, it is exhausting to deal with. So it's how I've decided, I decided quite early on that I'm going to pick my battles. So some things I'll respond to, some things I'll delay the response, some things I'm not going to respond to at all. Um, because if you take it all on, you just have no energy mm -hmm. for yourself, your family, and, and the people who really should be taking your energy, right? Mm -hmm. So I've decided to save some of my mm -hmm. energy for my family, save, uh, well, a lot for my family because they're your support network. If anything happens, those people at work mm -hmm. yes. are not going to be there for you. It's your family that all you always have to come back to. Um, and, and my friends, you know, I, as I said, I wasn't born here, so I've got friends who I know I can call on at any hour of the night and they'll be up for me. Um, and so you make time so you make time for those people. And then I mentor outside of work, as I said, I mentor with Amos Bursary. So I make time for that because I can see a direct impact of what I do in, in the boys and now girls that are coming out from the bursary. And then I do some work with cancer, uh, ovarian cancer research, because my friend is a sufferer. And I make time for that because I see the impact it has on women. And when women are devastated, what happens to the family? So it's about, for me, it's choosing how I parcel up my energies and uh, what battles I'm going to fight. Because the workplace, for me, is not the place for me to fight all of my battles. Mm. Um, but that's a very personal mm -hmm. decision. Um, I, I, I'm just not going to put all, all of my energy into it when there are things that demand your energy e equally. So enjoy your job, by all means. Work hard. Get your money. Um, but let it work mm -hmm. for you. And, and find, find a way. And I think... Now, belatedly, <laughs> I have sort of found a way and, and, and also finding things for, for exercise or for me as yoga, getting a little bit introspective and saying, what is it that I need to be doing? Um, not, not only to bring me peace, but, but bring me joy. Mm. I love that. I love that so much. I'm, I'm in absolute yep. awe. I just, I'm just <laughs> listening and... <laughs> I think, I think why I'm in awe is because um, a lot of black women that I know personally in my circle and family work in the public sector. And the public sector, I think, has a different energy around it in terms of exhaustion. It's not, no, no more tired, not more than, just different in being on the front line of these things. And... Um, I feel like career development for the women that I know hasn't hasn't been what I would really want for those women. And one of our questions was going to be, you know, what would you say is a potential life skill for career longevity? But you've already started to touch on that in terms of sort of thinking about where yeah. you package your energy and very much diversifying your activities and your network. Yeah. So I changed the question a little bit and I feel like to some to some end and user can correct me if i'm wrong it's almost like for some women there's there, there's two there's two pots of people you know the people who are like i don't care this is what i want this is what i'm going to get and then you've got some that go through the motions and for someone of your background i feel like we can tell from the very beginning from the very get-go you was very much in the this is what i want and i'm going to get it mm. but i really like to ask you a little bit about imposter syndrome and even mm. for those, so for both, both camps, so even the go-getters will question themselves or 
find themselves in difficult situations where they hold back because we're taking up spaces that we're not, um, we're, we don't tend to be seen in. Um, but we still push through as you have and continue. But then yeah. there's a group, I feel like there's a group of black women that I know who, this is my own personal, I guess my own personal value and somewhat judgment who I think you could have been so much more and they've kind of stunted their career because it's like, well, this is my place. Nobody really does that. And they've stopped. And it would be really good to hear from um, from you. What does imposter syndrome mean to you? What has it, has it looked like anything to you? And um, when it has present, even when it has presented itself, how do you overcome? For me, the imposter syndrome has always been the little voices at the back of your head, which keeps telling you, can you do it? Can I do this? Can I do that? And every time I've looked at it, for example, I, I just become a director and everybody was saying to me, all of the responses were like, you know, we, we know you got this or we know you could, or you, you've been doing it all along or whatever. And when you listen to that, you're thinking, why was I adulting myself? So if I have been to, to Ghana uh, a couple of years ago and, and stood in the slave dungeons. We're a people who've come through the middle passage. I've been through the door of no return. And when I see that and I thought, if my people, can do that, why, why am I questioning myself along the way? One of the things for me um, that I always go back to is that having not been born here, everything that I do, all of my aspirations or whatever was never equated or um, juxtaposed against whiteness. And I think that's a that's a, an issue for people who are born here because they, they look at it, you know, they don't see it on television. They don't see it. Whereas where I was born, the prime minister was black. You know, they're all people of color. Everybody in the government, all the doctors, uh, all the professionals, if you like, were all people of color. So, I, you know, the pilots and, and they were both men and women. So the gender issue was sort of addressed then as well. So I think imposter syndrome is there. It is real, I would never say that it's not real, but I think it's really important, again, to surround yourself with, with people who hold you up and make you feel 10 feet tall. Mm -hmm. You might not get it in the workplace, and that's why I'm saying your friendships, your families, those things are really important, that when you speak to people, they help you to strategize um, about getting, some, uh, getting somewhere and, and not being afraid to ask questions. And very often, white people have helped me, or, uh, you know, or people within I in these organizations. There are people who are, who are willing to help, but if you don't ask, you will never get that help. Um, so I've learned to open up a bit more, asking questions, um, asking for, you know, if you've got to go for, for an interview, asking for a mock interview, talking to people, talking about the questions and all of that, things that are really, really important if you're going to move forward. Because if you don't know, and a lot mm. of us don't know, um, you are going to either approach it in a way that, that wouldn't be beneficial or just not impactful. And if you want to move forward, you're going to have to make that impact. Um, so, so it's more about being strategic and aligning yourself with people who can really help you mm -hmm. rather than people who keep telling you that you know you can't do it or oh that's not for us or whatever okay there are not a lot of us but it doesn't mean that that we can't move forward in certain areas notwithstanding the challenges because i'll never say they're not challenges I have another question on the back wow. of that. Sorry, uh, Rach, I'm you can come in. <laughs> sure. I feel like you've mentioned the idea of 
you feel like you've mentioned the idea of aligning yourself with the right people um you even said allies we we speak of white allies in the workplace and i feel like mm. as millennials i don't know if i'd call myself a millennial but as millennials um we're a lot more sort of forthright in some sense of the way in terms of our activism um sometimes a little bit anti to be fair and I feel like there's this, you know, some people who are like, no, I'm not really looking for a white ally in the workplace because crosses, everybody's against us. But can you just elaborate a little bit on on what white allyship has looked like, could look like, why it's important? It's a good question. Is it even a well, thing? Look, we're living in a predominantly... Uh, it's, a, it's a thing. Uh, it, Look, we'll be living in a society that's predominantly white and we have to exist and coexist in this society. And we go into workplace, we're going into the corporates, it's going to be predominantly white as well. So you might be the only one, as I have often been, the, you learn very quickly to scan a room and, and, and whatever. But in order for you to make any move or a, any move upwards in there, you're going to have to have some white allies, right? You're going to have to have somebody advocating on your on your part. And most of those people in, in those strategic or the leadership positions are not black. Now, this is not this is not to say you, you just go out and, um, and, and, and make friends and, and, you know, snooze around for, for the wrong reasons. But it is very, very strategic. Mm -hmm. you, you just have to have someone who will advocate on your behalf. So because it doesn't matter that you are um, very good at what you do. It needs more than that in order to progress in, 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 in certainly in the corporate world. And I think people need to understand that. So it, it, it's not that, oh, I don't, uh, I don't need them because you very well might do. Um, but but it, it, I think it's really important to understand the whole concept of how the, the corporates work. Um, and I don't think corporates alone, I, I, I think society as well. Um, and I, I understand the, act, the activism, but I think any form of acti activism understands that they need allies in order to make mm -hmm. any progress, whether it be white, whether it be some form of allies. And I think um, certainly the mm. workplace, uh, certainly the corporates in particular, are no different. So um, you know, some of my some of my best friends have come out of being um, in the workplace and and being uh, people who have understood. It doesn't stop you from making your point. It doesn't stop you from from saying how you feel about things. Um, but it's important to have those things because because they that's when you begin to learn how the organization works. You know, um, and it, and if you're going to be in an organization, it's important to understand how it works, what's driving the leadership team, whatever, and then you can start to make some impact by either making suggestions or making points, or for me on the ethnicity side, you know, actually saying um, um, what I feel after the death of uh, of George Floyd, and what I wrote sort mm -hmm. of went right up to the leader senior leadership because everybody was like, wait until. You know, let's see what Cheryl has to say about this. So I thought about it long and hard, and then I said what I had to say. Um, but but for me, it was important um, because I didn't want people to think, oh, this is an American issue, and then we shouldn't be bothered. So I did my piece, mm -hmm. and then I said, go educate yourselves now. Um, you know, I'm not here to educate mm -hmm. you, but this is what I have to say. It's, you know, charity begins at home, start in your own firm. Mm -hmm. But that's yes, what I did. Definitely. I love that. I've literally just been sitting here listening to you and I'm like, oh my God, you're giving me so much life, literally. Like, 
I just want to ask you, um, for me personally, like, I feel like I have, I don't know, I feel like sometimes when I'm going to work and I'm going through all the things that happen when you're in work and when you're in a work envi- environment, I just need some sort of encouragement and sometimes I can't find it. Like, I just look into the back of my mind or look at things that have happened to me and I'm like, oh, where can I find this encouragement? So I just wanted to ask you, like, what words of encouragement did you give yourself in your younger career to kind of keep yourself going and to keep yourself pushing forward? Because I sometimes struggle with finding ways to push forward, especially when there's people, there's enemies at work and they're just trying to push you down and you just need something to boost you up. Yes. So I, I had a dear friend who passed away last year and she was a friend of mine for for years and years. And she used to tell me every time, you know, she was my hairdresser as well for a long time. And every time I went to, to visit her and I would tell her something that happened or whatever, she would say to me, Cheryl, they're not God. And she said that to me every single time, they're not God, you know. And I've always had that at the back of my mind because every time somebody does something, I, look, I would just look at the person in my head, I'll say, you're not God. And eventually a path will be cleared. That person would either move on or be mm-hmm. moved or something out of my way, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and, and, and I just thought that was just a simple, import, uh, it's just a simple concept because sometimes people do behave like they're gods and they do behave as though they're here to stay forever and they would lord it over other people and stuff. And so every time I, I would just go back to what she said, they're not God. That, and then she used to say, and that too will pass. Very sort of biblical, but she was very religious. But it is true, um, none of us are God. And some people, as, as I say, do behave as if they're God in the workplace. And rather than, than being proper people managers, they use that, they weaponize that to use it against people. You weaponize their position and, and all of that. And a lot of it is not fair and it's not right. And when you're in it, it's very difficult to see a way out. And that's why I'm saying that's where your friendships and your your family and stuff really come in because if you really think about it you need to think about your friends in a way you know other than just your friends who which friend can I call on at this point that wouldn't make me feel worse that would actually build me up so I my I've got a lot of friends but they're they're in different groups so I've got friends if I want to go to prayer I know who to call Mm. and I've got friends who would tell me off and said you need to stop stop it or Mm. stop thinking like that you're better than that and I've got friends who would help me to strategize Um, and and so I, I think in your friendships you need to know who you can call on for to deliver what to you at that time and it's not about using people it's about using your friendship so that it works in a way that's um, uplifting um yeah and they got friends who i would just ring and just laugh literally as soon as you pick up the phone you just start laughing and we know what we're laughing at nobody else does so you share it you can you know you can share a joke a sense of humor is really important um uh, and and sometimes i just find a sense I, I i just laugh at some things um just because it's so ridiculous uh yeah but but but, but yeah so so <laughs> you, you have to you have you have to laugh a lot um you just really crack up but that, but, but but that's important but i think you know you say that you, you sometimes you can't think of who but i'm sure when you sit down and actually think about your friends you could think of who you can speak to at that time um that mm. that would that would really help you either strategize pray your way out of it or whatever you need to do at that time and and those are the people that you call on yeah i'm definitely going to look into my contacts and see who i can draw upon, draw upon <laughs> <in these times. laughs> 
Uh, I'm not oh, saying it's easy, kind of, by the way. None of none of this is easy. Yes, so I'm not, not trivializing it, but it, it it's not easy. As I say, it's very exhausting. And when you when you've got to when you've got young kids as well, you find yourself being pulled apart and giving and giving and giving and 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 eventually end up with a place where you have nothing more to give. So um, mm. it's really important that you look after yourself health wise. And I think more than ever for for young mothers and whatever especially in this lockdown situation. Um, there's a lot of things that are verging on mental illness, <laughs> mental health and mental illness. Yeah. Of course, mm. yes. Definitely. Charles, do you have a final question? Um, so, yes, I guess um, probably this question, you can feel free um, to tell us off if we're going a bit too deep or anything. But, I mean, I think for a lot of mm -hmm. um, black women, you know, trying to get to a high point in, in their career, there is, whether rightly or wrongly, um, a perception that um, it can kind of um, limit them in terms of their choice of partners and if they will support them um and i guess i wanted to know if you if that had ever been a dilemma or a thought for you or you literally just focused in the zone and what comes comes and who's on board of it is on board of it and who's not on board of it well they're not on board of it and that's that when you say choice of partner you mean you mean whether or not you have a partner or yes yeah things like that mm -hmm. Um, so I got married very young, so I didn't know much. I got from home. I got married. So I got married in, in, in sort of my in my uh, my early twenties. But I but but my, my husband always uh, supported me, and you know we we sort of worked together, worked and studied together, and all of that. I do think is important in, in for me. I would say in a relationship, it's try to keep the dynamics in such a way that you're both sort of working on something. I found in some relationships where the woman has sort of gone ahead, whether it's academically or in, you know, in, the, in, in the career and sort of guys left behind that can create a different um, dynamic in the relationship. Mm -hmm. um, I think is what works, what, what, what works for you. I don't think that you need to, to, to sacrifice getting married or whatever for your career, but I think it has happened to some women sort of inadvertently because of the type of career or whatever um, whatever they're, they're doing. But I do think that mm -hmm. women have to make a choice and, and I, you know people might not agree with me, but I think when you start having children, then you've got to decide whether or not you want to carry on working or you want to stay at home and what plans are you going to put in place so that you raise your child with some balance. I went to work when my daughter was three months old um, and, and that's, that's very, very young. But I think whatever time I spent with her, I was deliberate about it. So whether we're going to be doing spelling, whether we're going to be traveling on the tube, whether we're going to be learning the tube stops along the way, what, you know, what, we gonna, what, we, what books we read, going to the theater, uh, just keep introducing things that I think actually matter and in in later on in life has some value and and you know um for her but i think i don't see it as a sacrifice in order to move up the ladder that you need to put everything aside but 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 that's me but some women can't manage the two or don't manage the two for whatever reason or just don't find the right person and you know that the choice is made for them mm -hmm. um and then other people are very deliberate about it but i, I you know, you know, I, I do think that um, perhaps if you're very, very busy and, and you're in, you know, uh, this country where 
you run out of time to do things or then you might have to be uh, a little bit a little more deliberate about finding a partner or finding someone to, to share your life with um, because a lot of this probably happens at uni or at certain stages in your life um, and and yes but I don't think that um, that one comes at necessarily comes at the expense of the other um, yeah, it, I, mm. I, I I think it can coexist, but it's it, again it, these things are not without um, without difficulties Nuance, because yeah. I, in that partnership you really do need to work out how you share your responsibilities because mm -hmm. it can become burdensome on one party, and that's what causes a lot of problems because inevitably people you know even in relationships they start to expect the, the the woman or the mother to do certain things, and sometimes mm -hmm. it is just too much. Mm -hmm. so you just, just have to know basically yeah. you just have to know the person that you're with and let that kind of dictate how things go sort of and navigate it with each other I like that advice I think that's really important because well, I, I think, think that's yeah I think that's actually like a fear whether rightly or wrongly I think it is a fear for a lot of people um, especially black women and that narrative is out there so it's hard to kind of dispel that and um, I think the way that you've explained it is a good approach yeah. And also be very respectful of each other. I think, you know, once you lose that respect in a way, I don't even know how you could begin to love. Um, so I think mm. you, you, you have to respect each other and, 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 and hold mm. each other in, in, in high esteem. And then the, the love, if you like, will last. Um, once the respect is gone, once mm. the abuse comes in in whatever form or whatever, and it becomes a habit, is very very difficult to sustain anything after that but that's my personal view by, mm -hmm. by the way so, um, but 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 yes i think i think the, the respect is key i think for me personally um what listening to you today has um reaffirmed for me is like the importance of support networks um whoever that may be whether that's allies at works whether that's yeah. friends whether that's family in and it's so interesting because it's never something that i've thought about in terms of like becoming more su to become more successful i need to have a good support network outside of work and not just inside it and that's something that i'm definitely gonna take yeah. away and think about that because we live in a very individualistic society where we're focused on ourselves and we think that yeah. i'm the boss i'm gonna do it all by myself but everything that you've said today has illustrated quite clearly how important it was to have people in your corner supporting you and also not just people pouring into you but you pouring into them and how um key that flow that flow of energy and respect was in helping you still be where you are 20 years later and feeling invigorated by the work that you're doing and feeling fulfilled. And I love that. <laughs> and I, I just, as, as I said, the, the networks don't underestimate your networks outside of work because you come into contact with so many people um, that other opportunities can open up, right? Um, to do other things or even another job comes out of those other opportunities. When, when, when you're in your networks, you learn, my, my out-of-work networks, I learn so much. I'm with a group of women called Soul Sisters. You can ask any question in mm. that group and somebody will come up with an answer and point you. It's just such a font of information, you know. But, um, mm. but one, one thing I would, I would say to, to you guys as younger people is uh, get yourself a mentor right that is something that i mm. i didn't do mm -hmm. earlier on in my career mm. mentors are important um and do you, uh, it it you don't have to have 
one person, but I think you can choose the person depending on the move that you want to make, right? Mm -hmm. So, and choose somebody who's really going to challenge you about what you're doing and what you're mm -hmm. intending to do. Um, um, uh, I'm a coach. I, yeah, you know, I train as a coach, and 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 you can either get get yourself some other qualification that thinking ahead you might be able to use, like a coaching qualification or something, if if you can do it, if you have the time, so that you know this is something that you can take with. Nobody can take it away from you, but you can use it. Um, uh, on. So I coach in work, and I and I and I coach um, as as part of the, the you know works extension on, on other on other programs. Um, do that if you can, but do get yourself um, a coach and, and get yourself, sorry, a mentor. And at work, get someone who can mm -hmm. advocate for you because mm -hmm. part of the mentoring must be that that person could advocate for you at a higher level. Advocacy is of the utmost important because, as I said, you could be good, but if you haven't got anyone advocating for you, you just might not be able to move in the way um, that, you, that you wish. Um, get, get some financial advice. Right. Um, wow, <laughs> again, it's not it's something that I sort of neglected um, my, myself and, and could pick myself. But I think very early on, get finance savvy um, because you could be working really hard. You can make your money and, 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 you know, thinking, gosh, I could have done I could have done better. So if you if you can mm -hmm. get it doesn't matter whether you're earning a, a, a little or a lot, but the advice that and get get proper health advice um, about things that affect women and 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 make sure that you're tuned into a network that can give you references for for consultants for doc mm. you know doctors for whatever mm. that 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 is mm. also key because I think as black women we take our health for granted when we catch ourselves we're really ill and we don't know who to consult mm -hmm. and, and more important we don't more importantly we don't know how to talk to these professionals so you get fobbed off everywhere yeah, you go so you need to know this is what a good professional does this is what a good consultant does this is how their bedside manner should be um I, all those things i think um you know are really 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 important um for 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 us as black women Oh, so it's all about for me. Amazing. I, I that was not what I was. Be strategic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's that, just based on my own experience. I look think. Yeah, I think I think we just need we need to be a little more strategic, and we need to have, uh, you know, I would say like caucus groups where where we can give each other's advice, and also. The other thing for, for Chantel and, and, and you guys with young children, get advice on schools really early on. I know you're teachers, but I've got friends who were teachers mm -hmm. who did, like, didn't know what to do. You know, you need to know where you want your child to be and you need to investigate. And all those schools that have open evenings and whatever, you need to get them in your diaries, you know, because if they're not in your diary, if you don't go, your child isn't going there. Um, and and that's, that's how it goes, unfortunately. And I don't think from the time I had my daughter mm. to now things have changed. I think it's gotten worse. Wow. Okay. Well, so, that was, so there's so much, there's so much good advice there. I don't even know, like, I don't even want to stop to be fair with you. <laughs> but um, there was, there was one main question that, that 
<laughs> that I wanted to ask, and I know everyone's going to groan when I say this because you have probably heard and been asked this question so many times. But I mean, I feel like especially after kind of the 2020 summer that we've had, we've really had these diversity agendas kind of shoved down our throat. And I know that you've mentioned that yeah. you hold kind of a role in your diversity affinity group. I mean, do you think this yeah. is genuine? For me, it's what is normative and how much should we as black women kind of participate in the schemes that are run by our organizations or run industry-wide yes it's it's a difficult one right because i mean as i said i I lead on ethnicity for my firm it's hard work um it's exhausting because you're trying to make uh shifts and changes where um people don't necessarily want to make them. So everybody wants to run certain types of training and so people can tick boxes to say that they've done this training and and all that. So very early on, I realized that whatever I do has to be driven by the data. So when people saying, oh, this doesn't happen, well, this is what the data says. So the data is telling a story. And the question is, what are you gonna do about the story that it's telling you? We're not gonna be arguing about the facts anymore. So uh, in the last couple Mm -hmm. of years, we sort of instigated a report, an external report that was done by by, um, uh, psychological um, consultants, business consultants and stuff to to show exactly what's going on. And and, and it did show that people are having dual lived experiences. So people of color were having one experience and stuff. And you know, the, the senior people need to see that because it wasn't done by me um and it's saying you know you're doing this this Mm. is good but this is the impact of of it so you know you're saying that you're nice but at the end of the day these people aren't getting promoted or whatever it is so i think things haven't changed and i don't think they'll be changed for but i think there's small tweaks that are changing for me the real issue is the systemic and structural change that need to take place that a lot of organizations are mm. scared of and accountability, right? For me, you, if you're inclusive, you will be diverse, but you could have diversity without inclusion, if that makes mm. sense. And, and, and what I'm saying is that you can have diversity, you can have a number of people of different ethnicities, but they, none of them really feeling included. And people, when they look at firms, they're looking to see mm you know, the, the composition of the senior leadership. And it doesn't matter who you tell them how much DNI work you're doing. If they don't see the evidence of that, they don't mm-hmm. believe it. And, and yeah. too right, I said, because you, you're preaching it, but where is the evidence to support it? So mm-hmm. I think that, that what, as I said, while things are changing, they haven't changed. There is a lot of talking going on, which is good, but I'm sort of over the talk now yeah. because I'm like, so what is the impact of that? You know, uh, there, I think there are people who are happy for us to stay in that talking space and then forget about it. And I think it, we have to be, again, strategic and say, no, we, we are not only going to be talking, but we're actually going to be doing. I think you're right. It, it is exhausting and people just opt out. But I also think that if we're involved, we should make it work for us and for the people to, 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 to follow. I think a lot of the burden of this is falling on black women in the mm. workplace. I think we need men to be yeah, involved exactly. as well. I think mm. it should be recognized in your appraisal system and in your salary because, you know, we are not doing this for nothing. Mm. Um, and so, and I think lastly, I think there needs to be accountability. You know, if there are jobs to be done, they should be people's names next to it. And I think for partnerships, 
it should be really be felt in 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 their pockets um you know it needs to be on their uh, appraisal or their goals Mm -hmm. and then if you can't show that you've done anything because i think then we will see the shift i think other if not there will still be a lot of talking so so for me i'm like i want impact i'm putting my head above the parapet Mm -hmm. but it's but it's for a reason um, there is a lot of hyper visibility of black women uh, or, or black people generally in this space, meaning that whatever they, they, they're being known or seen for the wrong reasons. So you're seen for your color rather than being a good lawyer, or being a good teacher or, or whatever. But if I decide to be in that, that space, then for me, I need to make it work and I need to be showing some mm-hmm. tangible evidence that it's working. At the moment, I'm showing small gains um not tangible enough for me but 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 inroads in important areas that that could create some changes in the system and that's where the changes need to come rather than in all the training courses where people attend and tick the box because what we really need are changes in behaviors and until i see the changes yeah. in behaviors it's not it's not working but oh, it's, it's, it's wow. a space that that is it is just so much going on in that space but i think what we what we need to get firms to do is put their money where their mouth is so when people tell me oh we don't have the pipeline i'm like feed the pipeline go out there find organizations to give money to to help to bring young uh people of color into the workplace right because they see the place but they were in because they think they're welcome but more importantly when they come in look at how you're treating them because they're not going to stay if they're not treated well so don't bring them in to tick a box to say that you've got diversity because you will see it in your um when when you lose people there'll be you won't have the retention that you want so we're looking mm. at all that we're looking at retention we're looking in the hiring process we're looking at blind cvs but we're also looking at exit, exit interviews what are people saying when they're leaving because that's equally mm. important mm-hmm. and try and gather mm-hmm. and try and gather the data it's it's a lot of work um in this space but yeah. We are getting there slowly but surely, but I, I, I do appreciate that people say, I can't be asked to wait for this change, I'm off. You know, I, I, <laughs> I, I have to acknowledge that because yeah. it's painstaking. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Okay, so we have, uh, I have to say, unfortunately, but we've come to the end um, of this episode. I feel like I'm going to have to have a lie down after this one because there's so much information <laughs> that I just want to take in. You know, you just need to set and let it settle. <laughs> Or else yeah. you're just gonna forget it. But <laughs> I just we can't exactly. Yes, Rachel. I actually personally can't thank you, thank you enough for coming on today and sharing with us so openly and transparently. It's just been such a lovely experience for mm. me, and I'm sure everyone else feels the same. Um, um, and just to our listeners, thank you again for joining us for another episode. Please remember to keep the conversation going on social media using the hashtag BWWPodcastUK or at us on Twitter and Instagram at BWWPodcastUK. But you can always email us or DM us at blackwomenworkinguk at gmail.com if you've got any suggestions for any topics you want us to cover or you have any issues that you may need help with all right then so i think that's going to be a goodbye from us and until the next time ladies thank you guys for listening okay. bye thank you. all right thank you for bye. having me